and I was thinking, what am I doing with my life? You know, maybe I was too quick to like turn away from all this time I had invested. Our lives are full of hard choices, and sometimes the things we decide change everything. In those moments, we can feel broken forever. How do we pick up the shattered pieces and keep going? This is How I Broke This, the show about our big, bad breaks and what happens after we make them. I'm Holly Hutchings. Even New York Times bestselling authors sometimes have twists in their story that they didn't expect to be there. With seven books under her belt and a podcast that has hit number two on iTunes, the woman we know as Grammar Girl was not always destined for a successful life built on words. So I was the first person in my family to go to college. Wait, wait, we need to know who you are. Oh, my name's Mignon Fogarty. Okay, let's start the tale of Grammar Girl, Mignon Fogarty. I always loved to read when I was a little girl. My mom took me to the library all the time. Am I breaking my own podcast here? Interviewing a hugely successful podcaster, Grammar Girl, being a podcaster myself, yet recording in a room that sounds like a bathroom? And so I ended up getting a degree in English because I love to read, I love to write, and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no thought for what career I would have after college. Like, getting the degree was the goal. And then I graduated and discovered nobody would pay me to read books. <laughs> I mean, maybe they would have if I'd gone to New York and worked in publishing, but I didn't even know that was an option at the time. With a degree in something she loved since childhood, but no way to use it, Mignon looked to her peers and other interests in order to come up with her next step. So I started looking around for what I, what I might actually do after I graduated from college. <laughs> and um, I ended up meeting a bunch of people who worked in um, science. We would go out after work, and, and so I'd go hang out in the lab while they were finishing up their work. And it was fascinating. It was so cool. I had never taken any science like that in college, and so I got really interested in, in science. That newly realized passion for science drove Mignon to do something she had never planned to do. I ended up um, going to Stanford, entering a biology PhD program with an undergraduate wow. degree in English. <laughs> I think I was their diversity student. <laughs> <laughs> so was that kind of once you learned that you were interested, like what you projected your life sort of being in? Right. I thought I was going to be a researcher and have my own lab and be a professor and mentor students and, and all of that. Graduate school, I mean, especially at Stanford, it was really competitive. And I think what I learned along the way, after about two years, I knew it wasn't for me. I think one mistake I made is that I didn't quit soon enough. So I knew that after two years, but I stayed for four. Why? Be because who in their right mind drops out of a biology, a PhD program at Stanford? You know, I mean, you made it into a PhD program at Stanford. Like, you yeah. don't just drop out. Yeah, like that is so 
fortunate. Like, who would miss an opportunity like that? Right. You know, you worked so hard to get here. You are working hard to get here. And then the culture, at least at least in that department, at that school, was that if you did anything else, you had failed. You know, you if you weren't worthy. You it was there was very much a bravado kind of atmosphere. Um, yeah, and so if you left, you were kind of a loser. <laughs> so what made you want to finally push through and leave? You know? Well, it was so my undergraduate college roommate um, entered the MBA program at Stanford, and this was during the dot com boom. Everyone in my program was miserable. Everyone in her program was just really happy. And then she actually dropped out of school to start a software company with her boyfriend who was a software developer. And she asked me to join her as their first employee. And I did. Um, I took a leave of absence. I didn't fully drop out. I couldn't commit. <laughs> but, uh, but I ended up not going back. Um, and it was an, just an amazing time to be at a startup. And I was there with um, their company. I was the first employee, and we hired people, and we went to trade shows, and we met with venture capitalists and raised money. And um, then the company was acquired after eight or nine months. And I had not vested any stock yet because I hadn't been there a year. It wasn't long enough. It wasn't long enough. Another opportunity lay ahead for Mignon. She had the option to stay with a booming software company during the most exciting years in the tech industry. But when the company was acquired and was moving to Seattle, she decided not to move with them. As their first employee, staying with the company would have been her ticket to millions of dollars. You know, I I would have made significant money if I had stayed with them and invested my stock, you know, as the first employee. (laughs) So... um, but I would have had to do things in life that I didn't want to do. I would have had to move when I didn't want to move. So at that, so that was like one, I wouldn't necessarily call it a mistake, but it was a choice I made to put think, happiness and life choices ahead of money. Once that opportunity was behind her, she worked for other companies that puttered out. Mignon moved on to writing tech and science pieces for various clients in Silicon Valley. And yet another opportunity came her way. This one, you and I might think, would be a slam-dunk, easy decision to make. We, we had been friends um, with the wife of the founder of eBay for many years. My husband went to grad school with her. I worked with her at this science company where I did the writing. And you know, we had gone out to pizza with them in a group, and so I had met her husband who turned out to be the founder of eBay. <laughs> and I remember saying, like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do for a job. And she was like, oh, well, you should come work with Pierre at eBay. He really likes you, and they're just hiring like mad. And, I mean, they just need warm bodies right now. And, and I was like, well, I don't really want to be a warm body, <laughs> you know? I'm like, I really want to, I, you know, I, I studied science for all these years. I, want, I, think I, yeah, go, I think I want to stay in science. Wow. eBay is now a $36 billion company. What could that have meant for her? So I didn't even talk to them about what the job might have been. Oh. And I, I mean, I could have been employee number 30 at eBay. You know, wow. I mean, that would have been tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Because I was just, I didn't even look into the opportunity. And like, we knew, I mean, we, we really felt that eBay was going to be successful. We could see how fast it was growing. So why? Knowing eBay would have been so successful, why not be a part of that? 
Deciding not to take a job at the company definitely had some psychology behind it. I think because I kind of felt like a failure, because I had dropped out of the PhD program and then I left the startup, and I was thinking, what am I doing with my life? You know, maybe I was too quick to like turn away from all this time I had invested into science. And so then, do you think you were turning almost back to science or turning away from the dot com, like revisiting the science thing? Or I think it was both. You know, I think it was. It was revisiting the science, turning away from the crazy dot-com world, which was exciting, but also you know, equally as stressful as grad, student, grad school, still yeah. all the 80-hour work weeks. Yeah. Um, and I, I chose a different kind of life. For most of us, at least myself, I think, looking back on a prestigious degree I could have had from a stellar university, then leaving a blossoming startup, and ultimately passing on a job at what we now know as one of the biggest sites on the internet would all leave me feeling seriously bummed, probably with a fair amount of regret. Mignon's choices for the kind of life she wanted and went for didn't leave her feeling like me. Looking at eBay, mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> now obviously humongous, uh -huh. so you would have to feel that way or look at it in a healthy perspective like that to not kick yourself and be like oh. yeah and I think if I wasn't happy with my life now it would probably be harder yeah. but you know I've I love what I do and and I've had all sorts of neat exciting experiences and and I have enough money you know I don't have tens of millions of dollars <laughs> but I, I pretty much have everything I want I mean, to just have things you could actually look at, you know, the startup and eBay. It's not like those things are out of any of our consciousness and you can just kind of move along. Like, right. it's brought up over yeah, and over. <laughs> it is. But I mean, I, I usually don't even think about it. I mean, it wasn't really until you asked me about this. I'm like, well, what were the biggest mistakes I made? And I guess, you know, if that was certainly the decision I made that probably changed my life the most at least financially, you know? You know, it's hard for me. I think I'm just an optimistic person, so when you ask, like, what are the big mistakes I made, I just see how they led to the next good thing. You know, I can see that, okay, so I passed up an opportunity to make tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> it would have been, like, you know, fast and easy, and, you know, I would have been 28 and never had to work again, but maybe I wouldn't have been happy. You know, I like to work. <laughs> Maybe I would have been completely derailed and lost. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it's just really easy for me to think how it all turned out for the best. Or to think, and if I ever have doubts, it's like, well, you can't know what could have happened. And I could have been killed in some kind of car accident with a different commute. So, yeah. I could have bought a different house and it could have burned down. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you just true. never know. You do. You don't know. So, um, this kind of is a question that you've sort of answered, but like how did, if we're gonna call them like breaks or mistakes or choices that you've made, like make room for growth in your life. And mm -hmm. that's kind of what you 
we're just talking about. Yeah. I think that eventually quitting grad school and then being at all those companies that went under (laughs) made me really comfortable with failure and with quitting something where I'm not happy. Um, Sometimes I wonder if I'm too quick to quit now, (laughs) but... I don't think so. But you've seen that if it's not working, right? I mean, you I move along, and I get know. so frustrated with people who stay in situations where they are clearly unhappy. Yeah, it's like quit. You don't get a badge for doing that. You, you know, don't. Move go along. Tr- go try something else. If you and just because you're not good at this one thing doesn't mean you're not going to be fantastic at the next thing. Um, it's so risky to try something different, though, don't you think? It is. Well, I always have a backup plan. Right? So like I said, I didn't drop out of grad school. I took a leave of absence. So I could have gone back. And, you know, I remember when I, I, when I stopped doing my freelance writing to do Grammar Girl. And, you know, there were people, there were friends of the family who were like, are you crazy? Like, you have this great job where you make great money, you have all this freedom, and you're going to give it up to do this random podcasting thing? And it's like, it's not like my clients are going to disappear. And you only have one life. And if you're not happy, you should not stay where you are. I mean, you only get one chance. And it's funny, I don't feel like the time I spent in grad school was wasted, even though I say I should have left sooner. I did all sorts of interesting, fun, you know, mind-expanding things. So I, I just think it's really important to make choices that will lead you to a life that you can be content with, and that isn't always about money. But doesn't she wonder what could have been? I mean, it's worth $36 billion. Some of her learning experiences have proven more valuable than what the internet giant could have given to her. So what would you tell someone else who was in, you know, I'm sure the recipe could never be exactly right, where Mm -hmm. it's like Silicon Valley back in those days, but like someone in a similar position who was where you were, what would you tell them in those kind of like those crucial, (laughs) crucial life moments? I would say you can't know. Even though we were sure eBay was going to be a success, it's equally as likely that it could have flamed out and been nothing. You know, you just, you cannot know. So I would say not to get too hung up about what might have been, even. I mean, maybe if I'd have gone to work there, I would have ruined the company somehow. And it never, you know, I mean, the butterfly effect. It would never be what it is Like, who knows, right? So (laughs) even if you missed out on a great opportunity, you don't know that had you gone there, it would have been a great opportunity. So I think it's just important to be really comfortable with the reason you make decisions, but in the end, you cannot know. Yeah, because everyone else's decisions are also in the mix. There's this whole sliding doors right. thing. And, and you don't know if you're going to live to be 30 or you're going to live to be 100, but you can't know that either. You know, you just, yeah. you can't. So you can't know anything yeah. about the future. So what do you do today? You do what you think is going to make you the happiest. And also give you a level of security that you need to be comfortable. I think it's different for everyone, and I think it's important to acknowledge that 
level of privilege. I get frustrated with people who are, who just say, follow your dream, choose what makes you happy. <laughs> I don't think that's realistic for everyone either. I think that's why I always tell people to have a backup plan. Think about what you're going to do if this doesn't work out. Cause it is different for different people. Yeah. You know, some people, you know, their parents have a pool house they can go live in and, and some people don't have any parents at all. So it, it, that has to factor in. But I think taking stock of your own life and understanding what you think will make you happy and then what level of risk you can safely or conceivably take based on everything from your psychological makeup to you know how, your family's stability, you have to make the best choice you can for your situation. So I do get really frustrated with the people who are like, always choose what will make you happy, follow your dream, because that's naive. There are other factors at play, but do the best you can at choosing the dream that's best for you. Thank you for listening to episode one of How I Broke This. If you have guests in mind that you think would be a good fit for our show, let us know at How I Broke This at gmail.com you can follow us on facebook at how i broke this or on twitter at you guessed it how i broke this see you next time for the next big bad break